Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. Thank you for listening once again. In one of my last episodes, I asked for any Irish listeners to reach out to me, and I sure enough got one especially who sent me a wonderful email. So pack your bags, everyone. We're going to Ireland. This is from our listener Morgan, and he writes in to say, Thanks for the shout out and the latest podcast to all the Irish listeners. Cheered me up no end after a very busy work day. That I'm very much a Christmas enthusiast, too. I do my best to honor Christmas in my heart and keep it all the year. Podcasts like yours are gold, as I can get my Christmas fix throughout the year without driving my family too mad. Happy to report, though, my son is my partner in crime when it comes to Christmas and happily sings Christmas songs all year round with me. Just to give you a little backstory, my family, wife Neen, seven-year-old daughter Robin, and six-year-old son Obi, and I live in Galway, a beautiful city on the windy west coast of Ireland. I work in animation, specifically children's TV and film. I'm also an illustrator. I lived in America as a child, which definitely is the largest influence on my love of traditional American-style Christmases. Saying that, I'm very privileged now to be able to experience with my young family a lot of the different Irish, British, and American traditions. So our festive season is a combination of a lot of different influences. For me, Christmas, in particular the wonderful lead-up, is on my mind throughout the year. I get giddy just thinking about it. Family, friends, and colleagues all know me as the guy who loves Christmas. If I could grow a Santa beard, I would. We decorate the house at the end of November, traditionally in advance of a television special here called The Late Late Toy Show, which falls on the last Friday of November. It's the most watched program in Ireland yearly. December finds us in full swing sourcing presents, baking, crafting. We often have a few advent calendars on the go. Lego makes great advent calendars. We also have the traditional chocolate-filled variety. We are also very lucky to get daily visits from one of Santa's elves. We call him Little Boy Elf. He's mischievous and kind in equal measure, and it's always a joy to see what he will do next. Our car and home is a constant loop of Christmas songs all December. I am a huge fan of all the old classics from Bing Crosby, Nat King Cole, etc., as well as the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. More recent releases like Ingrid Michaelson's Songs of the Season, The Croft Family Christmas, and Michael Buble Christmas are also family staples. A rather large nativity is also central to our celebrations, my wife's pride and joy. Traditionally, on Christmas morning, before the family enter the sitting room to discover if Santa has visited, the kids sing Happy Birthday to Baby Jesus and one child always has the job of placing the Jesus ornament in his crib. We generally have one big tree, but this year are planning a second in the kitchen, maybe. We are running out of space on our family tree. Every year we add a new ornament each, and it's already close to tipping. Closed last year due to the pandemic, our city usually hosts a European-style Christmas market. Chalked to the brim with wooden cabins in a my garden, I don't drink myself, but the warm festive smells of chimney cakes and mulled wine really set a wonderful scene. Traditions in Ireland aren't too different to America, 
especially in recent years, as we as a nation have adopted more and more customs from our friends across the pond. We enjoy traditional ham and turkey dinners, and there are always treats galore. Selection boxes are an interesting seasonal favorite. They are flat cardboard boxes filled with a selection of chocolate bars. These are inexpensive and often gifted to the children of family and friends. Very common for grannies to have a cupboard full, just in case. Mince pies are wonderful. We in particular love the puff pastry type. Most houses have tins of chocolates, either Cadbury Roses, Nestle Quality Street, or Mars Celebration. Every family has their personal favorite. In terms of TV, we love to have Hallmark-style Christmas movies on in the background throughout the month, saving our favorite films for family movie nights. Home Alone, A Charlie Brown Christmas, Polar Express, The Santa Claus, Snowy Day, and The Star being a few of our favorites. A Christmas Story is my personal favorite movie, and I try to save it to watch on or around Christmas Eve. We also organize a toy drive each year for our local St. Vincent de Paul charity. This is always a very exciting and fulfilling time as we get to, as a family, purchase and donate a huge bundle of specially picked presents for local families in need, all with support and donations from colleagues and friends. Christmas Day, we prefer to stay at home. A warm fire, the smells of my wife's wonderful dinner cooking, and the sounds of the kids playing with their gifts is all we need. I could go on and on. I can't wait for December to roll around. Would love to hear more about your family's Christmases. All the best, Morgan, Neen, Robin, Obi, and the dogs, Stitch, and Molly. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for reaching out to me with just a beautiful email full of all kinds of traditions. I have to laugh about your favorite movie being a Christmas story. I have gone on record as not liking that film at all. But I just did an interview with Anthony from uh, from Tista Podcast, and he really thinks I need to give that movie a second chance. I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it here and there, and it's, I just find it irritating and grating. He said, give it a try. So I, I think I need to sit down and watch it sometime as an adult and, and give it its fair due. I'll probably wait till Christmas time to do that. I love that you are trying to keep Christmas in your heart throughout the year. I'm a kindred spirit with you there. And uh, I love that you found Christmas podcasts to help you with that Christmas fix throughout the year. So you, you don't irritate the, uh, you know, the weirdos in your family <laughs> or the, the ones I call normal. <laughs> but thank you for sharing those Christmas traditions. Uh, it's neat to see that we have some similarities, but there are some different things uh, as well. I don't know what a chimney cake is. That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to look that up. I hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas this year. Thank you for helping keep the spirit of Christmas alive every day. We need more people like you in the world, Morgan. Any Irish listeners out there, any time of the year, send me an email. Send me a voicemail. Um, I'd love to hear a voicemail because I love accents. And Irish, Scottish, English, those are some of my favorite accents. I'd love to hear hear you guys share some more Christmas memories with us and I'll I'll put it on the podcast for sure. Well, it's my birthday. I want to talk to you about the best gift I've ever been given. I mentioned that in my last episode and I said it wasn't a Christmas gift, not really. And it wasn't even a birthday gift. Now, I know some would say, well, 
my wife is the best gift ever given to me and and my children are the best gift ever given to me and and those things are true but beyond that the best gift i've been given is the gift of reading i love love stories i love books i love how creative people get and and their stories take you into I mean, to quote Willy Wonka, into a world of pure imagination. One summer, when we were visiting my grandma and grandpa in St. Louis, I have had some of the best Christmases there. But I remember one summer, and I couldn't tell you how old I was, but I can remember it was warm. We were bored. I don't think it was raining. Maybe it was. Otherwise, this begins to sound like the opening to Cat in the Hat, doesn't it? I was a reader, you know, I, I read books. I don't know if I loved it or hated it or, you know, just tolerated it. But my grandma handed me a book and she said, I got this for you from a yard sale. And there's several more like it here if you and your brother want to share and want to read. So I, you know, I was bored and I thought, sure, why not? It was a chapter book. I looked at the cover and I fell in love. The book was called Tic Tac Terror. And it was by a guy named Franklin W. Dixon. The series was called The Hardy Boys. And on the cover, I can clearly remember it to this day. It was a blue book. Frank and Joe Hardy, the main characters, were on the cover. They were in a motorboat. And it was on fire. And the sea was choppy around them. And it took my breath away. And I looked at some of the other Hardy Boy books that my grandma had in the stack. And the covers looked so intriguing. The title sounded so mysterious. I began reading and fell in love with the characters of Frank and Joe Hardy. I wanted to be in the Hardy family. I wanted to follow Frank and Joe on their mysteries and their adventures. It developed my love, not just of reading, but my love for mysteries. My love for adventure. (laughs) You know, reading about adventure anyway. When I think about falling in love with reading, I remember that day. That was one of the best gifts ever given to me. And from then on, I I hung out in libraries. I lived in libraries. I devoured anything I could get my my hands on. I got upset when a librarian wouldn't let me check, check out a book about robots because I got it from the adult section and I was only seven years old. But I wanted to read about robots. I'm thankful to my teacher who in kindergarten helped me to learn how to read. I wish I could remember her name. I get so excited every Christmas and on my birthday when I get a a present that's wrapped in the shape and heft of a book because I know within its pages it will take me away to a land of imagination and of creativity. And so I am so thankful for all the authors, for all the writers who have created and crafted such beautiful words and have had the courage to to share them with the world. Folks, I I just want to encourage you that if you have to, to, to give that gift of reading to someone, to encourage reading, to encourage, uh, if they don't like to read, then read aloud to them. Um, Get them into, if maybe audiobooks are more their thing, um, that's reading as far as I'm concerned. It is a gift that truly keeps on giving every time you open a book. Thank you, Grandma. So along those lines, 
Stay tuned to the end of the episode. I have a special announcement to make about reading. You know, maybe I'm just getting older, but, well, I am getting older, but it's making me reflect on days gone by. And so I want to read to you today a story from Charles Dickens called What Christmas Is As We Grow Older. And it could be that I'm feeling his angst a little bit as I'm growing older and considering these things. What does Christmas mean to me? So a little bit of background about this essay or vignette, if you will. It's not a story as such, but it's it's him just musing. I mean, honestly, it's like a blog post. Let's consider some of the things that Dickens had gone through even a few years before he wrote this essay in 1851. A few years before that, in 1849 to 1850, Charles Dickens had serialized one of his most popular novels, David Copperfield. David Copperfield was uh, semi-autobiographical. It was an emotional story for him to write. And so he processed a lot of these things that he had kind of kept secret about his life, like his father was in debtor's prison and that he worked for a blacking factory. Things that he was embarrassed about, he kept hidden. And his readers did not realize that he was that many of the things that happened to David Copperfield had happened to him. Uh, in 1850, also, he had an, a daughter born to him through his, his wife, Catherine. Her name was Dora. And then 1851 came, and it was one of the most tragic years of Dickens's life. A year that saw Catherine Dickens, his wife, suffering a nervous collapse. His father, John Dickens, also died in 1851, a relationship that had been very tense. It is my understanding that um, John and Charles were able to patch up their relationship a bit by the end, uh, but it was still a, a very emotional time for him, as you can imagine. For me, that one of the greatest tragedies of all is that his is that his uh, little girl, who was born just the year before, Dora, uh, she dies tragically when she's only eight months old. But it's a very, very difficult year, not just for Charles, but for the Dickens family. So is it any wonder that Dickens gets quite deeply thoughtful by December of 1851? In his magazine, he was editing Household Words. All the Christmas entries that year are reflective on what Christmas means to certain types of people. And you can actually read the actual magazine if you go to uh, the Dickens Journal online. It's uh, djo.org. Now, uh, this is the, the Christmas issue of the magazine, Household Words, and Dickens wrote the opening story, What Christmas Is As We Grow Older, and then several other people wrote uh, some of the other entries, stories such as What Christmas Is to a Bunch of People, What Christmas Is in Country Places, What Christmas Is If You Outgrow It, things like that. And I'm, I'm really interested to read those entries and to read the magazine as a whole just to capture what Dickens was trying to portray through these variety of writers. This story carries the idea of Christmas should be a time of kindness, forgiveness, and family, things that he truly believed in. So let's get comfortable and cozy and, and think about it. What is Christmas to you? Is it the same thing as it always has meant, or has it changed over the years? Let's find out what Dickens has to say in What Christmas Is As We Grow Older. First published in Household Words, December 25th, 1851. Time was 
with most of us, when Christmas Day encircling all our limited world like a magic ring left nothing out for us to miss or seek, bound together all our home enjoyments, affections, and hopes, grouped everything and everyone around the Christmas fire, and made the little picture shining in our bright young eyes complete. Time came, perhaps, all so soon when our thoughts overleaped that narrow boundary, when there was someone, very dear, we thought then, very beautiful and absolutely perfect, wanting to the fullness of our happiness. When we were wanting to, or we thought so, which did just as well, at the Christmas hearth by which that someone sat, and when we intertwined with every wreath and garland of our life that someone's name. That was the time for the bright visionary Christmases which have long arisen from us to show faintly after summer rain and the palest edges of the rainbow. That was the time for the beatified enjoyment of the things that were to be and never were, and yet the things that were so real in our resolute hope that it would be hard to say now what realities achieved since have been stronger. What? Did that Christmas never really come when we and the priceless pearl who was our young choice were received? After the happiest of totally impossible marriages by the two united families previously at daggers drawn on our account? When brothers and sisters-in-law, who had always been rather cool to us before our relationship was effected, perfectly doted on us? And when fathers and mothers overwhelmed us with unlimited incomes? Was that Christmas dinner never really eaten, after which we arose and generously and eloquently rendered honor to our late rival, present in the company, then and there, exchanging friendship and forgiveness, and founding an attachment not to be surpassed in Greek or Roman story, which subsisted until death? Has that same rival long ceased to care for that same priceless pearl, and married for money, and become usurious? Above all, do we really know now that we should probably have been miserable if we had won and worn the pearl, and that we are better without her? That Christmas, when we had recently achieved so much fame, when we had been carried in triumph somewhere for doing something great and good, when we had won an honored and ennobled name, and arrived and were received at home in a shower of tears of joy, is it possible that that Christmas has not come yet? And is our life here? at the best so constituted that, pausing as we advance at such a noticeable milestone in the track as this great birthday, we look back on the things that never were, as naturally and full as gravely as on the things that have been and are gone, or have been and still are? If it be so, and so it seems to be, must we come to the conclusion that life is little better than a dream, and little worth the loves and strivings that we crowd into it? No, far be such miscalled philosophy from us, dear reader, on Christmas Day. Nearer and closer to our hearts be the Christmas spirit, which is the spirit of active usefulness, perseverance, cheerful discharge of duty, kindness, and forbearance. It is in the last virtues especially that we are, or should be, strengthened by the unaccomplished visions of our youth. For who shall say that they are not our teachers to deal gently even with the impalpable nothings of the earth. Therefore, as we grow older, let us be more thankful that the circle of our Christmas associations and of the lessons that they bring expands. Let us welcome every one of them and summon them to take their places by the Christmas hearth. 
Welcome, old aspirations, glittering creatures of an ardent fancy, to your shelter underneath the holly. We know you and have not outlived you yet. Welcome, old projects and old loves, however fleeting, to your nooks among the steadier lights that burn around us. Welcome all that was ever real to our hearts, and for the earnestness that made you real, thanks to heaven. Do we build no Christmas castles in the clouds now? Let our thoughts, fluttering like butterflies among these flowers of children, bear witness. Before this boy, there stretches out a future, brighter than we ever looked on in our old romantic time, but bright with honor and with truth. Around this little head on which the sunny curls lie heaped, the graces sport, as prettily, as airily, as when there was no scythe within the reach of time to shear away the curls of our first love. Upon another girl's face near it, placider but smiling bright, a quiet and contented little face, we see home fairly written. Shining from the word, as rays shine from a star, we see how, when our graves are old, other hopes than ours are young, other hearts than ours are moved. How other ways are smooth, how other happiness blooms, ripens, and decays. No, not decays, for other homes and other bands of children, not yet in being, nor for ages yet to be, arise and bloom and ripen to the end of all. Welcome everything. Welcome alike what has been and what never was, and what we hope may be to your shelter underneath the holly, to your places round the Christmas fire, where what is sits open-hearted. In yonder shadow do we see obtruding furtively upon the blaze an enemy's face? By Christmas Day we do forgive him. If the injury he has done us may admit of such companionship, let him come here and take his place. If otherwise, unhappily, let him go hence, assured that we will never injure nor accuse him. On this day, we shut out nothing. Pause, says a low voice. Nothing? Think! On Christmas Day, we will shut out from our fireside nothing. Not the shadow of a vast city where the withered leaves are lying deep, the voice replies. Not the shadow that darkens the whole globe? Not the shadow of the city of the dead? Not even that. Of all days in the year, we will turn our faces toward that city upon Christmas Day, and from its silent hosts bring those we loved among us. City of the dead, in the blessed name wherein we are gathered together at this time, and in the presence that is here among us, according to the promise, we will receive and not dismiss thy people who are dear to us. Yes, we can look upon these children, angels that alight, so solemnly, so beautifully among the living children by the fire, and can bear to think how they departed from us. Entertaining angels unawares, as the patriarchs did, the playful children are unconscious of their guests, but we can see them, can see a radiant arm around one favorite neck, as if there were a tempting of that child away. Among the celestial figures there is one, a poor, misshapen boy on earth, of a glorious beauty now, of whom his dying mother said it grieved her much to leave him here, alone, for so many years as it was likely would elapse before he came to her, being such a little child. But he went quickly and was laid upon her breast, and in her hand she leads him. There was a gallant boy, who fell far away upon a burning sand beneath a burning sun, and said, Tell them at home, with my last love, how much I could have wished to kiss them once, but that I died contented and had done my duty. 
Or there is another over whom they read the words, Therefore we commit his body to the deep, and so consigned him to the lonely ocean and sailed on. Or there was another who lay down to his rest in the dark shadow of the great forests, and on earth awoke no more. Oh, shall they not, from sand and sea and forest, be brought home at such a time? There was a dear girl, almost a woman, never to be one, who made a morning Christmas in a house of joy, and went her trackless way to the silent city. Do we recollect her, worn out, faintly whispering what could not be heard, and falling into that last sleep for weariness? Oh, look upon her now, oh, look upon her beauty, her serenity, her changeless youth, her happiness. The daughter of Jairus was recalled to life to die, but she, more blessed, has heard the same voice saying unto her, Arise forever. We had a friend who was our friend from early days, with whom we often pictured the changes that were to come upon our lives, and merrily imagined how we would speak and walk and think and talk when we came to be old. His destined habitation in the city of the dead received him in his prime. Shall he be shut out from our Christmas remembrance? Would his love have so excluded us? Lost friend, lost child, lost parent, sister, brother, husband, wife, we will not so discard you. You shall hold your cherished places in our Christmas hearts, and by our Christmas fires, and in the season of immortal hope, and on the birthday of immortal mercy, we will shut out nothing. The winter sun goes down over town and village. On the sea it makes a rosy path, as if the sacred tread were fresh upon the water. A few more moments and it sinks, and night comes on, and lights begin to sparkle in the prospect. On the hillside, beyond the shapelessly diffused town, and in the quiet keeping of the trees that gird the village steeple, remembrances are cut in stone, planted in common flowers, growing in grass, entwined with lowly brambles around many a mound of earth. In town, in village, there are doors and windows closed against the weather. There are flaming logs heaped high. There are joyful faces. There is healthy music of voices. Be all ungentleness and harm excluded from the temples of the household gods. But be those remembrances admitted with tender encouragement. They are of the time and all its comforting and peaceful reassurances, and of the history that reunited even upon earth the living and the dead, and of the broad beneficence and goodness that too many men have tried to tear to narrow shreds. For those of you who know the life story of Dickens, you can catch some of, I think, references to people in his life in that story. I think he makes some allusion to people like his his wife's sister, who passed away at, at uh, 17. She died in Dickens's arms. Her death had a traumatic impact in his life, and even here in 1851, it still affects him deeply. I liked how he was welcoming all people in, even people that were formerly his enemy. And they said, and if it were possible, you know, he understands there are sometimes things you do that you just can't be around that person anymore. But if you can, you welcome them in. And if you can't, then you promise to do them no more harm. And that's the spirit of Christmas. We need to remember that lesson. You know, that's the part that really sticks out to me in this. 
As others have said before me, this thought is not original with me, that if this is what happens on Christmas Day, let's carry that throughout the year. So what does Christmas mean to you as you grow older? Well, I have a special announcement. Let me play this for you. I'm a bookaholic on the road to recovery. Ha, just kidding. I'm on the road to the bookstore. Just as soon as I finish one more chapter. Hello and welcome to the Bookshelf Odyssey podcast. Come along with me as I explore my bookshelves, read you stories, talk to authors as we search for your next great read. I'd love for you to come along, so grab your favorite book, a cup of tea, and settle in for the greatest adventures ever imagined. Episodes will be every week, heard on all major podcasting platforms, or you can go to bookshelfodyssey.com and start your adventure. After all, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a reader in possession of a good book must be in want of another, right? Well, the fun starts August 2021. I'll see you later. So until then, just keep reading. That's right. I'm crazy enough. I'm going to start a new podcast. Hopefully here in a couple weeks, I'll keep you posted if you're interested. It's pretty much going to be what I'm doing here, just without the Christmas part. So if that's something you think you might enjoy, I would love for you to give me a listen, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. This is a podcast I would have started if I had not started the Christmas one first. Now I'm going to keep doing my Christmas one. That shouldn't slow down at all. So, so don't worry about that. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> see if I can handle two. Anyway, I'd love for you to give me a listen. Details will be in the show notes, as well as ways that you can help support the show. My Etsy store is open again. I've got ornaments there. I've got t-shirt designs, podcast merch, notebook designs, a lot of the stuff that if no one else buys, I will because <laughs> I, I like those are the stuff I like. So, oh, guys, I've got one more one, one thing in the store that I'm really excited about. I've got bookmarks. They're in my Etsy store. You can order them $3, free shipping. Check those out. I, I love bookmarks and I was really excited. I just had this random idea. Oh, why don't I have bookmarks? I talk about books so much. Also, if you donate to the show on uh, ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com backslash cozy Christmas, um, same, same cost, $3 for a donation or more, you'll get a um, cozy Christmas uh, bookmark in the mail. I'm using mine already be a lot of uh, more podcast merchandise coming out. I'm mostly doing this for my own joy because I love podcast merch. I don't know. I got my cozy Christmas coffee mug here next to me and I write my notes in my cozy Christmas uh, notebook. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a problem. So if you would have shared my uh, podcast merch addiction, you can check that out. It's all there in the Etsy store or just let me know if there's something you want that uh, you don't see there and I can probably work it out for you. So thanks so much for your, your support, your time. You can check that out if you so desire. Okay, with that, um, you all take care and I'll see you next time. Until I do, remember to be kind to each other and do good. And remember, there's nothing in the world more irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. Have a very Merry Christmas.